From the art of the deal to keeping it real. Keeping it real. Live from the Simply Vegas studios, it's the Power Move with John Gafford. Back again for another episode of this week's Power Move. Today, joining the studio, man, I got some ballers up in here today. I'm not gonna lie, I got yeah. some ballers. No Colts, no Chris, but you know, can't always, every day can't be Halloween. Today, you just got me, and uh, yeah, but but I brought in some friends, man, to uh, spread some knowledge, spread some joy, spread some wisdom to the people out there. So, two special guests today in the hot seat. First of all, I want to introduce uh, one of my friends, one of the guys I met at Mastermind that I love, and uh, he's just such a great dude, and uh, he's the guy that, like, if you want to invest in something, if, you, if you're like, hey, let me take a look at something, this is the cat that you kind of run it by, <laughs> and he looks at it in two seconds and goes, ah, that was bullshit. <laughs> Don't do this. And that's Mr. Tony Kasai, uh, who runs uh, his mastermind. We'll talk about that, which is uh, your deal. Yeah. So Tony, welcome, man. <laughs> welcome. Thanks, man. Thank you for having us here in Vegas, man. This is a cool little spot. It's a very cool little spot. Sorry, we had a we had a, an additional <laughs> camera in club. front of a camera, <laughs> <laughs> we there, which was not good. So I had to, I had to do that. Yeah. yeah, thanks for having me on. And you brought with us a new friend of mine that I met yesterday at a dinner last sure. night. Well, well, you know, once a friend, always a friend. You go to dinner, we're good. And that's Mr. Steve Kuklo, who is a five-time IFB bodybuilding champion. Yes, sir. Which means you you, pick, you eat good and you pick up heavy stuff. Pretty much. That's how it works. But, <laughs> but again, version. man, you, you know, that's one of those things where it's uh, the lessons you learn through all of those things, through both of those. And you guys both have some some stories of, of some struggle and coming through some adversity and things. And I think that, you know, obviously there's lessons and there's clues that get left behind that we like to help the people out as much as we can. So I'm going to start. We're going to do a double up today. We're double yeah. up. In, and just for you guys out there, a little secret uh, behind the scenes. We're just pinched for time. So this, was to, <laughs> this was supposed to be two, uh, two podcasts. But we're doing a two for today is how it works. Both of these guys totally worthy of their own segments in their own well. But uh, but we're doing the, the two for today for, for time's purposes. In a though. non-sexual way. In a non-sexual yeah, way. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. I mean, it's early. So, I, you, know, you know. And we're in Vegas. Who knows so. what's going to happen? Who, who knows what's going to happen? But, Tony, let's start with you, dude. Because because I know that you got a, you got a killer story, man. And, and, uh, and, and it, you had some serious adversity. Things were good. Then things were bad. And then things are good again. So, walk me through, man, your you know you know we don't have to go back to kindergarten yeah but let's start where uh you know picks up in, in the business world when did you first get started in business what was your what was your hey, this is the first question i ask everybody yeah. what was the first what was your first hustle man this can't be a good answer dude i loved selling that lemonade stand my first yeah. dream was that little fisher price machine that you put in a little plastic coin and i just loved money as a kid and all the movies about wall street the from the very first wall street movies just anything about money excited me uh, we immigrated to this country, moved to Dallas. Or actually, it was a, back then it was a shithole called- From Iran, Iran. yeah, you came from Iran, yeah, yes? Yeah, okay. back when before, like it just, back then it was a cool country and now, you know, <laughs> the lunatics have taken over, but you know, uh, but yeah, man, growing up, you know, watching your parents kind of put every last dime into their children and sacrifice a lot. So you really appreciated that. Mm -hmm. Moved to Cal Socialist Republic of California when I was 15. Uh, and I still live in California. But, but that, uh, that first hustle as a kid was the lemonade stand? The lemonade stand. That was the yeah. first one. What about you, Steve? What was the first hustle? What was I, it? Cutting grass and killing bugs. 
Killing bugs. Yeah, my football coach in high school had a, a pest control company, and uh, he brought me on, and I, I kind of mentored under him, worked under him for many years. So he kind of gave me that entrepreneur spirit. I, I could contribute a lot to him. Did you did you take it to like the Huckleberry Finn thing where you started recruiting your friends to like, hey, dude, I'll pay you three bucks an hour to cut this grass when you're making six? Did you pull that off? No, I didn't. No, no scale. No, no. <laughs> didn't have that. I didn't have Tony in my side. Didn't have I, didn't, the, yeah. I didn't have the power move to listen yeah, to. Yeah, Tony would have taken one. T Tony would have taken one look at that business plan and be like, no, nah, this. Is bullshit you yeah. this, you know? <laughs> killing bugs is for, uh, for no money but uh but tony man so so you started in finance relatively young right yeah so we uh if you've ever seen the movie pursuit of happiness with will smith very accurate depiction of my life and the movie was actually one of those movies that was really dead on mm. he gets started at dean witter which was morgan stanley uh he gets his test he goes to the world trade center i was in the building about a week before the planes came in and i was supposed to move there i got my licenses i was pumped i was the youngest kid at in, uh at morgan at 21 and i was a superstar i was the youngest one there and met my future business partner there and we stayed partners for about 15 20 years and kind of went to lpl Citigroup, went them all and then started my own firm wow all right cool so how how old were you when you started the, when you started your own firm how old were you then I started Morgan at 21, started my own firm, probably about 31. So 31. 10 so 10 years. So you, you did 10 years on, yeah. into, into the big thing, and then you went your own, your own way. Yep. So things were going pretty good for you at 31, yes? Yep. Doing yeah, pretty well. well. I went through the recession. I made, you know, just like everybody else, I bought a restaurant. Thought it'd be great to own a bar. It wasn't. <laughs> Dude, why, why do people think restaurants are fun? Like, I spent I spent a solid 15 years in the restaurant business, man. I promise you, there's nothing. There's nothing I mean, fun. No, well, here's the deal. There's nothing glamorous about it. Well, here's the problem. This is, what I, this is what I found. If you own a restaurant or a bar, and I own some cool stuff, the cooler it is, the less money you make. It's kind of how it works. If it's just, you know, the ones that are just like the rundown kind of place with the board that says hamburger cheese, they're making money. Yep. They're printing money. But fancier it is, harder it is to make money. No way in our next door, right? Yeah. Because yep. you either got to be, you know, although we'll say one of the th smartest things I ever saw anybody do. And this is a funny story real quick. I'll, I'll digress from our conversation. So a buddy of mine named Jeff Hansen in Tallahassee, Florida, a million years ago, he was one of the bar owners there. I owned a bar there. And, uh, and Jeff, who wound up later in life becoming the manager for Creed, which was funny, but Jeff had the best hustle ever. So we had two locations, right? And all the Florida State College kids would go home for like, the summer, right? And then Jeff would like move all of his crap from one location to the other one. And then they would come home, they would come back for fall and be like, brand new bar, just you open it up, brand new bar. And all the kids were like, oh my God, there's a new club. And it was just the same mute light and sound, everything else, paint the walls a little different and just be, be the new bar. And then right towards the end of the semester, it'd be like, ah, start leaking it out. Things aren't going so well. We're going to close down. And then right before the semester was over, it'd be like, it's the last three nights ever of Metropolis or whatever. And they would be packed for like the three nights before they went home. They would go home for, for, for Christmas. He'd move all the shit to the other building. They'd come back for spring, brand new bar. <laughs> so he was always either brand new or like about to go out of business. And he just was packed and just bounced back and forth between these two spots for years. It was genius. Like those uh, furniture liquidation yes. places that are always, always going liquidated. out of business. The day they oh, open, they're going out, of going out of business. Yeah, the day they open, going out of business is how it is. So you took off on your own firm, and that's doing well at 31. That's going yeah. well. So yeah, everything was going great. Uh, my business partner at the time, uh, he had a, right after the recession hit, and in Southern California, you know, you were getting these $700,000 houses being foreclosed for one thirty yeah. one fifty. So he had this vision to start buying them using first trustees, using some of our old clients, rolling them self-directed IRAs. He resigned his licenses. I still had a passion for the business. 
kind of went our separate ways. Fast forward a few years later, dude's got like 30, 40 million dollars worth of real estate. And I'm mm. like, shit, I should have been doing that because I was breaking three, 400 grand. Back then, I didn't really know how to market. You couldn't use social media and I didn't have wealthy family or a network to tap into. So I was really just grinding to make it into that industry. And the average financial advisor is only making three to 400 grand. I mean, to get, a, to, get to the upper echelon, you yeah. really got to put some time in. So yeah. long story longer, uh, one day, one of our employees comes to us. And during that time period, I'd refer him business. He'd refer me. And I started kind of my mom, you know, half her life savings. She's like, I'm like, well, fuck, invest it with Francisco. Well, I call him <laughs> fuckface, but invest it with fuckface. Can we first year? Sorry. Wait, that, that's not his God-given, not God-given name. That wasn't on the, that wasn't on the actual Funny story of that, the grand lady. So this grandma who lost money with them, she was 86 years old. She goes, Tony, I've never cursed in my life, but I refer to him as fuckface. <laughs> She's on the stand and refers to him as fuck. Yeah, when you get so, an old lady cursing at you, that's a problem. You're, 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 you're a real winner. That's a challenge. So, uh, so yeah, man. So we we started doing some business together, and uh, I thought I had about five six million dollars worth of real estate with them because we'd be buying shit together. Yeah. Families referred to him, referred to him about five six million bucks worth of clients' assets. And uh, one day, one of our employees comes to us and says, "Hey," comes to me and says, "I need to talk to you." And usually, when an employee says that, they want to borrow money. In this yeah. case, he starts crying and he says, it's a Ponzi scheme. I'm like, how's that possible? I've seen the tenants. He's like, yeah, but 10 people think they own the same house. So, uh, you know, that's, if you've ever had those moments where you just want to throw, so, up, I literally threw up. Yeah. I just went to the bathroom. So, okay. So you get that piece of, you get that piece of news and you know, I mean, that's, that's a level 10 issue, I would say, but I think in business, we all get problems. Right. How do you process, how do you process that information and get to a point where you can make a logical, decent decision-based path forward? Like, like, what is that? Like, do you take it? Do you, did you, did you wallow in it for like a day or two? Did you fucking booze yourself to pieces? I mean, like what was the process go to of, Vegas? of getting to where yeah. you can make a logical, a like, like decision? Like, what was it? Yeah. No, I, uh, I wish I could say that it was that quick, man, that it was one or two days, you yeah. know, but when you, when you came from nothing and then you thought you had it and when you grow up poor, you don't know you're poor. Everybody's playing stickball on the street, you yeah. know? But when you have money and then you look back, you're like, oh shit, we were poor. But then when you lose everything, then you're like, oh shit, I don't wanna be yeah. poor. Um, but I do remember like, you know, when it happened, I just knew if this is true, I need to find the tallest building and just jump off nah. because it's not just me. It's not, losing your own money is one thing, but when you have to look into yep. people's eyes and to know that they're just, you have to deliver this news. You lose money to a bad investment like we've all done, it's a bad investment. But when it's just fraud and pure greed and evil, mm -hmm that shit really hurts my soul, you know? And yeah. so for, to know, I knew that if that was true, it wasn't just my clients, cause my clients maybe lost 10, 20% with them. He took every penny from some of his victims, like oh, every gosh. penny. And this shit was devastating, dude. So no, man, there was about three, four years, really dark times. Uh, I was, we were talking about this last night with a good friend of ours, Tommy Vax, who's a more of a sober coach yeah. now. And, mm -hmm. and he was, you know, he confided in me a lot and kind of just gave me some things that really made me realize like the the trajectory that i'd went through but now nah, man for three or four years i did everything i could to hurt myself physically but i always have a, a army of guardian angels that i owe because i would put myself in a car drive 130 miles an hour blasted hoping that i would either die or get pulled over and shame on me that i was putting other people in yeah. jeopardy nothing ever happened so yeah yeah, somebody out there was looking out for me, and now that's that's kind of the mission to, well, to let, share. Let me ask this, and, and you don't have to get to, too deep if you don't want to, but did you find some redemption in making some people whole out of that? 
in two ways. Because I know you and I have had conversations yeah. about the importance of even if you're the mouthpiece, it's your responsibility to make people whole. And, we, and we've both taken some pretty decent hits from that. So There's certain so, yeah. clients that I knew, you know, they're 89 years old. This 500 a month that he'd promised them was everything they did. Yeah. So there's to this day, you know, there's sometimes that I would drive myself all the way down to make those payments for me, even though I didn't have to. That was not required to. Nobody sued me. None of that stuff happened to me. Mm -hmm. But I think the path forward for me, my, my mom one day said, you know, how do you get out of bed every day knowing you just lost everything plus $5 million of your own? And I said, maybe God did this to me today. So one day it saves me $50 million in a bigger lesson. Now, while that hasn't manifested itself in those big of a numbers, it is in this movement between Inside Investor Club, yeah. partnering up with with people like Steve, spreading a message of just, man, these, you and I see right now on Facebook, yeah. fucking Facebook automation, Spotify automation, yeah. all this bullshit that you just look at them like, dude, these are scams and people are handing over. Yep billions of dollars to these assholes so that's my and sometimes i get called or i call out big people and i'm like dude it's bullshit what these guys are doing well I, I i love that we've we talked last night about we won't name names but <laughs> you and i were in a, an event <laughs> yeah where quote unquote you know, real estate guru, which is, you know, that's, that's my house. That's right. my, that's my will. And you know, I don't have a TV show yet, but you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah. And, and this guy might not actually know what the fuck he's talking about. And you called him out. You, you've right. literally stood up in the stage and called him. We're not naming names, no names. And the shows on TV that you see, like, yeah. you know, flipping shit. Yeah. But, 50 but, of them, but, right? you could, but you, those guys you don't know shit about real estate. Yeah. And you called this dude out. People. <laughs> you called this dude out from the stage, right. and he didn't know what his own offering yeah. was. And it was, uh, it was pretty funny, man. It, it was. You know, I I find personally, and this is always my first red flag. You said something a minute ago that that you hear a lot, especially like in real estate with some of the creative stuff, when it's like well, it'd be better if you didn't have a license. <laughs> it's like, right. when I hear that, <laughs> that's a little bit of a red, red flag, flag that jumps up when you're like, well, no, I kept my security license. My other guy let it go. So he, it's like, that's <laughs> like, that's if anybody ever says to you in a business deal, like, don't worry, I gave up my license. So it's fine. That's probably a problem. <laughs> Would you agree with that? Did you give it up or was it taken? No, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Did you voluntarily <laughs> dig it up or was it just marked, you know, deleted one? Yeah. Day? I will yeah, be exactly. honest with you guys though, man. I, uh, I, I want, I had the hardest licenses to get the seven, 24, 66. Like I could license you to be a financial advisor on yeah. anybody. And, uh, another thing, and this is another show, another segment we can digress, but all these organizations, the three letter acronyms, SEC, FINRA, they're not there to protect the investors. This is all some bullshit pyramid scheme of hierarchy of, you know, the five top firms, Merrill, Morgan, Goldman. It's just one big financial mafia, as I called it. All the things that I'm talking about right now, mm -hmm. I'd be banned or I'd get fired, I'd get censured. Sure. So I literally told FINRA to fuck off in a meeting and I said, I want, you can have my licenses because I want to be able to share this message. Because yeah. otherwise, I'd write a book and it would come back censored from the firm. I'm like, dude, it's like Susie Orman wrote the book. It's not even me, you yeah. know? And you couldn't, you couldn't talk about those things that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. So- you know, obviously being in that place, man, you know, part of a, a big part of the messaging here is trying to help people escape the drift. So I, when you've lost everything, you've done that. I mean, I know we talked about you, you talking to Tony Vexton and, and that and him kind of getting back in the path. What are, you know, and we talked a lot about depression on the show as well as about how you get out of those funk moods and those, those, those periods of time when you're in a funk. It's like, what did you start to grab onto to start building momentum to putting this back together? 
you know, as, as, as cheesy as it sounds, this whole concept, especially when now people say, what do you invest in? If I have $10,000, what do I, I'm sure people ask, if I have $50,000, what should I buy? Like, if that's all you got, invest in yourself. And it sounds weird to say, but personal development, putting myself in the right rooms, proximity is power. These are all little buzzwords we hear in our yeah. industry. But man, it was true, you know, and one of my first mentors, Ryan Steumann, who we both know, mm -hmm. he said something to me that really resonated, you know, when he heard, when he first heard my story, and I didn't know who the hell he was. God put me in a moment that I ended up on a private jet in Cabo with the last few thousand dollars in my pocket. You stayed at Casa, uh, uh, Casa Cabo? Yes, in Pedregal. Man, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love that house. So much. Oh my, I've, I've stayed at that house twice. I love that house. Yeah. You would imagine, like, I've just lost everything. I'm These people think I'm ballers. The requirement was to be a millionaire. Somehow I end up, and that's a whole other story of how I end up on the trip. I'm on the trip. I'm there with Steve Weatherford, Super Bowl champ. Yeah. I meet him for the first time on the plane. I got Stuman, who I had no idea who he was. So I'm starting to realize like, you know, these people are interested in my story. I still had lessons to teach, but he said something to me. He says, man, after he listens to it in Stuman's way, he's like, bro, I'm a double felon divorced three times. If I can, I can't get a fucking job at McDonald's. What's your excuse? And I was like, Fair enough. Like, yeah. I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't debate that. You yeah, know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I think, I think that the path out of uh, depression, path out of like, what do I do now? What's my next chapter? Uh, we talked about this on the podcast with Ulysses today. Waylon said something to me on one of those Cabo trips too. And he says, man, I just turned the page. And what if your whole life's a story and you just turn the page and you, and you can write a new book tomorrow? Yeah. It and was, that shit was so simple, but it resonated. Yeah, man. it was a line from, a, you know what? It, I know where it's from. Not necessarily that version of that, but it was from Young Guns, man. Uh, Kiefer Sullivan says at one point to the, the, uh, the, the Asian lady that's the concubine to the bad guy or whatever he says you know your past is like a paper book novel when you're done with it you throw it away and buy a new one i didn't know that that's, that's the cool. same thing yeah. yeah so not to say that whale plagiarized we all yeah. take each other yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly exactly um you know it's funny that you say that in and, and I talk about frequency a lot with, with people and frequency with who you listen to, because at the end of the day, it's funny you said we all steal from each other because it, it, that is true. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you hear the same thing. There's stuff that, I, you know, there's days when I've posted stuff and then two days later I see it essentially come up reworded a little bit from somebody else. And I'm like, hmm, <laughs> you know, and, and everybody kind of borrows, but I think it's okay. Because I think in the in the in the framework of trying to help people, you find a frequency that works with you. You find a frequency that resonates with you. And like you can kick somebody in the nuts all you want, but if you're not resonating with them, like you probably had people tell you, Tony, you need to turn it around, you need to pick it up, you need to you need to pull this together. But for whatever reason, it just happened to be Stuman that was on that frequency with you that you heard that. Correct, and, and I think the authentic gurus, for lack of a better word, right, if they're intentional or if, they're, if their intention is to do good, they don't mind if you spread the no. same message. Like no. you were Careless. talking to Waylon and he started in his thing and Wh he says, oh, I, you know, I'm really following your path and he says, Take my shit, copy right. it, you know? it my shit. So <laughs> if you're not afraid, like your integrity and in what you do with your real estate business, mm -hmm. you want to share it. You're like, fuck it, I know how to make money. Let me show other people yeah. how to do it, right? Well, I think I think that's the mentality of understanding that it's not a zero sum game. Right. Like I don't have to lose for you to win. It doesn't have to work that way. Right. And I think and I think it's funny when you look at a lot of people that come up from humble beginnings. You know, they, they, they go through this process where it's this, this mine, 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 mine. And I've seen some people go and make a shit ton of money in real estate and do very, very well. And it's like, 
but what are you doing for somebody else? Like, are you, are you giving, are you reaching back as you strive forward? You know, are you doing that? And, and I've seen people that make a lot of money in this business that are very unhappy, right? They, they just, they never get fulfilled in it because they're not reaching back to help somebody else get forward. So, and I think that's anything. I, I think, I think the people that are really trying to help in this, you know, education, investment, you know, health, whatever it is you're doing, there's people that are out for a quick buck and there's people that really want to help people. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's a huge difference. So how do you tell the difference, Tony? You're, you're the, you're the, you're the bullshit sniffer. I love it. How do you, <laughs> how do you tell the difference? I, I think there's a lot of red flags, you know, and I think when you've been around the block a few times, it's, you know, when somebody's constantly telling you they're not something, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm hey, not I, here to sell you. I'm not here to sell you. There's no pitch at this event, but run to the back and buy five of them and I'll give you six free. Get the fuck out of here. So there's a lot of that. I think there's a lot of, I also see, I always tell, I have a lot of girlfriends who are single or going through a divorce and always got sob stories. And somehow I become the therapist. My, my therapist said I'm on white knight syndrome. I'm like Captain Save-A-Hover or something. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, Tony, you bleach the red flag. I call it. <laughs> but no, I always tell people, if you look at someone's life, their socials or you know, whatever they are in their public persona, and they don't have a lot of friends from five, 10, 15, 20 years ago, mm. that's a fucking yeah, red dude. flag because yeah. that yeah. tells you that these people are recycling and churning their bit churning, churning their business friendships, relationships. I like first time I met you, you know, he's introducing his mom, dad, his cousins, childhood friends. Mm -hmm. uh, you look at my lifestyle, like I got friends from when I was five, 10, yeah. 15, 20. You like like you guys got a core group. And that's oh, why yeah. I was really aligned to, you know, Fleischman, I look at him like one of the dudes that I've idolized fanboyed from when I was like 20 yeah. years ago playing commerce casino. And I didn't know who the hell he was. Funny story about him. I, he, he I'm playing poker with the guy. I didn't know who he was. Just thought he was some nerd at a table. He's telling us to buy Ethereum at 37 cents. Oh. Like, who the fuck would buy a coin for 37 cents? <laughs> Wrote him off. 20 years later, I hit yeah. him up about it. He remembered the exact hand that he cracked me on, dude. <laughs> dude, it, it, I will say that. I'll say that about Fleischman, man. His memory is terrifyingly it's, good. Yeah, but it's terrifyingly good. The answer to question is the people, you are who you surround yourself with. Yeah. You hang out with five alcoholics, you'll be the sixth. So I, I've learned that. I've tried to really align. Steve, Steve's showed me that a lot, too, with faith and and being around good people that are spiritually grounded. Yeah. Well, I, th I think it's funny you say that because you know, the, the, the five friends and you talk about people that are around new people. And that's a red flag for me too. Like, like I've been to parties with very successful people where I got invited and they're like, Oh, this is my best friend. You're like, Oh, what's up, bro. And you see, you're casually off the side. Like how are you guys, you know, how you, high school, like how, he's like, no, bro, I met him like six months ago. <laughs> and I'm like, huh? He just described himself as your best friend. And you know, for six months, like my best friend, like, went to camp with me and shit, right? It's like, it's like that's kind of how that went, right? It's, it saw me do some really stupid shit as an adolescent. So The other guy we spoke about last night, too, on the crypto side, same thing if you think yeah. about it in hindsight. They didn't yeah. have a lot of friends from the old days. Yeah. That, you know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's... Think about it. No, that that's that's true. That's, that's, that's true. true. I, I think... Well, you know, I, knew I missed another, that red flag. But I'll, 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 tell you, I'll tell you another one that I hang my hat on. This. And this is a little controversial, with with some people because i understand maybe some shit happens i don't like to do business with people that cheat on their spouses because i think if they'll fuck them up and literally 
every almost every single person that's ever fucked me over in business cheats on their spouse so and did it in front of me in some cases and we supported it at the time and, and for me fuck face i remember <laughs> you know the dude had been married for 20 years yeah his wife was an attorney she put him through school he got here as a dishwasher worked at denny's and he had two beautiful boys and i would see him have this life and then go out, we go to strip club, he's banging hookers in the back, has a mistress yeah, with the dude. mistress. And at the time I was just like, oh, it's just a guy being a guy. Maybe it's just this culture. But if you're gonna cheat on your wife of 20 years with two young boys, what the, you're, who the fuck am I? Of course you're gonna cheat on me. Yeah, you of, know course. What I mean? of course, yeah. of course, of course. Yeah. So yeah, man, and, and it sucks when, when people you know yeah, that comes out that happens because you know you're like try to do the uh, you know i'll walk in another you know i'm not gonna i don't i don't know what their life is like i don't know what's happening under this but at the same time it's like you gotta gotta throw that caution flag up pretty hard hell yeah yeah so um steve man let's talk to you yeah. a little bit bring it yeah because you, dude you're just sitting there looking swole and whatnot <laughs> it's so funny because normally when i have two people on the couch like this they're both kind of in frame but you're just ginormous <laughs> stuff like i got half the tony's face on like, you like, you like, like, <laughs> because he just keeps leaning farther and farther away i think it's like you have a gravitational uh, pull and he's trying to resist it it's kind of what's going on so let's talk about your story bro yeah. what's so I, I know you were a firefighter. I know yeah. that's where it kind of started. So is that what you always, when you were a kid, like, I want to be a firefighter? Was that the goal? Was that the dream? No, I was actually uh, loved athletics growing up. Very successful in athletics. Uh, national champion in, in hockey. Actually got in really? the Hockey Hall of Fame as, as, a, as a youth. Where did you play? Up in Michigan. I grew up in Detroit area. Really? I yeah. lived I lived for a very short amount of time. I lived in Detroit. Okay. That east side, I, I was. I lived at 13 Mile in Ferris in Royal Oak. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I got transferred in, 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 a, in a much younger version of me, yeah. in a mid-20s version of me. I was uh, upper management for Hooters of America, which is a fucking great job if you're, when you're 24. <laughs> yeah. It was a great job when you're 24. Again, did make a lot of money doing it, <laughs> but it was a great job. And uh, at one point, I got, I got moved up to Michigan to run okay. all those restaurants there. And I was from Florida. First time I'd ever lived anywhere where it snowed. Sure. Not fun. No. <laughs> uh, sky went gray in um, <clears throat> probably September and stayed gray until April. It's seven months of depression. Yeah. At, at, <laughs> I spent the I spent I spent it's the cyclical. I spent the winter there. I called my boss, who was a vice president. And I said, "Let me tell you a story about a guy named John." He said, "What's that?" And I said, uh, "I'm moving back to Orlando or Atlanta in two weeks." And he goes, "You're quitting?" I go, "That all depends on you." <laughs> but I'm telling you, in yeah. two, I'm moving back to one of those two places in two weeks. And he's like, fuck, let me call you back. Yeah. He's like, Orlando. I'm like, come out here. And normally it was funny because I went all over the country with that company. And when I would leave a, when I would leave a place, I'd be like to the girls, I'm like, oh, I'll come back and visit you guys. I'll see. When I left Detroit, I'm like, I won't book a fucking flight over this city. If the flight path <laughs> is going over this, I'm going to take a connection so I can get around. I've heard it's changed a lot. I heard there's a no, lot. It's a lot different in Detroit. But, a little bit, but but we'll go. Okay, yeah. I heard you wouldn't even recognize. It's a beautiful place now, is what I hear. Uh, I mean, it's still the gray skies, but yeah. I hear that it's they built it up to minutes. But okay, it's like it's like waxing your armpit. It's still an armpit. <laughs> it's still an armpit. Okay, fair, fair. <laughs> I had good times in Windsor. Like that. that was yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, Over yeah. the bridge in Windsor was good. There you go. Right. Anyway, so grew up in Detroit. 
Played hockey. Yeah, I was big in athletics. I mean, fuck, doesn't that kind of tell you everything you need to know right there about the guy <laughs> just going into it? Yeah, uh, you know, and, and very successful in that. I could have pursued professional uh, sports on, on that route. Um, loved training. Training was kind of, that became a passion, true passion of mine. Yeah. I, I loved, like, being the biggest, strongest, fastest guy, no matter what I did. It was I played football in high school. In hockey, I loved being. You couldn't have been this big playing hockey, though. No, 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 no. Okay, I mean, geez. I was still a big, I was genetically a big kid. So yeah. it wasn't like I was a 150-pound kid. They got picked on in school and decided, yeah, yeah. like, I'm going to take a bunch of steroids and get huge. Like, you, you that got, wasn't you the, got the ad in the back of the magazine where they're kicking sand in your yeah, face. No, I wasn't like, that yeah, guy. I was like, no, right. I had a purpose and an intention of, like, why I wanted to do it. Yeah. And uh, my, I just responded really well. And I was like, I was one of the strongest guys. You know, I just had success in, in that area. Yeah. Um, I was actually going to school to be a mechanical engineer in the so, automotive world. Back up real quick. You mentioned the east side of St. Louis, St. Cl- or Detroit. Okay, of Detroit. Sorry. Yeah. So you're talking about like uh, 13 and Gratiot. You said 13. Okay, 13 and Gratiot. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. So you're talking about like Roseville. You're talking St. about Shores, like Roseville. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah. All right. So so you, not exactly the mean streets, the roll them up. No, road. I actually went to, I went to high school on 8 Mile. So a lot of people are like, "Oh, 8 Mile." Yeah, but you way know? over way over yeah. I was in East Detroit in that yeah. area. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So East Detroit nicer part of Detroit. Sterling Heights, it's, that's like, okay, Roseville. And then I moved, I, armpit. I moved to <laughs> I moved to, I moved to Dallas 20 years almost 20 years okay. ago. All right. And they, you know, the ghetto parts of Dallas. I'm like, this is really nice. <laughs> you know, like, like, like the nice parts here. of Detroit are like the ghetto of Dallas. Yeah, like, so. I, could, I could tell you some here. So you're in school for mechanical engineering? Mechanical, yeah, mechanical engineering. Did your my, parents work for the automotive? No, no. I, blue collar. My, my mom was a hairdresser. My dad was a, a chef. Well, can I ask you a question? Because, yeah. because I, one of the things that was fascinating to me about Detroit, and we have talked about this at length on this podcast, yeah. is the hamster wheel trap that seems to happen to people in that area where it's like Midwest, you are born, you literally go to the same high school that your parents went to. You yeah. marry your high school sweetheart. You work. You, bu- you play golf. You buy a house. You buy a house. You buy a house three three streets away from yes. your parents, next door to your buddy from high school, and you just enrich, wash and repeat. And Bro, they get pe- stuck people in from this Detroit life. are going to hate us right now because we're spilling tea out of Detroit. Yeah, but this, but but, but I, you, you know, it was the hardest place I ever lived yeah. to make friends. It yeah. really was because like people are like, I already got fucking friends. I got my friend from high school. You know, I don't yeah. need more friends. I already got friends. It was it was yeah. like the most difficult place to break into. Great, great people. It's it's yeah. blue collar to a T. Yeah. You know, and, and but how did you get out? I just decided to make the move. Well, so so I'll. I'll Finished my story about going to school to be a mechanical engineer. My grandfather was in the automotive industry, a designer, draftsman. Mm-hmm. I was like, I love vehicles, love you know race cars. I, I had that passion too. Um, during that time, the automotive industry was just tanking. It was when they were laying off three, five, ten thousand people at a time, and I'm like, why am I going to school for to try to fight for a job that I'm not going to have? Yeah. It's not going to be there. Yeah, yeah. So I went to my parents one day. I had some friends in the in the fire service, and I love learning about the body as well. And I end up, I, I said to my mom, I said, I want to go be a firefighter paramedic. You know, mm-hmm. so then I put myself through school, uh, applied all over the U.S. It was still a difficult time because it was kind of reached going into the 2004 or five where everything was just starting to decline. Yeah, you know. Um, ended up getting hired in the city for the city of Dallas in uh, 06. So moved down there, started a career. In, you know, it was at the same time pursuing bodybuilding at higher levels. Um, you know, started off at, in like winning some pretty big shows as a teenager, teen nationals. That led into some um, some 
national level shows, winning the overall at a very young age. Well, Kinda, I want to don't skip over that because yeah. I think I think here's the deal, dude. Yeah. Look, I, I don't. I, obviously, you can tell I know everything about bodybuilding just from the <laughs> fucking rips. You're like a Greek guy over, over here. Exactly. Come on, right? Like, chisel, <laughs> chisel. But no. But the point is, like, the level of dedication that you have to have to that to. I mean, dude, ice cream tastes good. Yeah. Brownies are good. You're right. Fried chicken, delicious. But to just have the dedication to even, I mean, forget the hours in the gym and everything else, but just the complete dedication to the diet. That is a level of commitment that most people just don't possess. Right. So the question is, you know, is that innate or is that learned or is that decided? Like, how do you get to that level of commitment to, I mean, fucking anything? I think it's a little bit of uh, a little bit of each one of those. It's definitely decided because you have to make the decision to do it or not. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of in you. I, I think if you have that drive and, and that discipline, I think it, it comes from your childhood. Were you disciplined as a kid? Like, where did your parents discipline you to not do something stupid, you know, yeah. or not hurt yourself? Or, yeah. Um, so there, I think there's a few aspects of all those into, you know, becoming ultra disciplined or, or being willing to make sacrifice to have success. Were there moments of great adversity through your life as a kid or were they manufactured adversity through sports? Which is, which is why I love youth sports. It's why I, I love it. it. It was more sport driven. Like yeah. I, I, I had a very promising future in sports if I wanted to pursue that mm-hmm. route. Uh, my parents and family were huge supporters of me, and to this day, still come to my bodybuilding shows. I mean, biggest fans. Everybody knows me in in the in the industry. Any competition to go to, that I'm competing in. I mean, I have a huge fan base. My family's there screaming. Like it's just I've always had that support system. Love it. Um, but yeah, there's been adversity. I mean, you, you know, you don't win every show, you don't win every title, you don't win every championship. And yeah, and well, well, you, well, you hear you hear stories like you know, yeah. I came home when I was ten and my parents were gone and I had to raise myself. And you're like, fuck. Well, that didn't happen to me. What's my excuse? You know. But it, you know, that's why I love because I mean, one of the hardest things. And you guys are you're about to be a father for the first time. Yeah. Last yeah. Night. Yeah. And I'm telling you, you don't even realize how much you're going to worry about this. But you are going to worry every day about screwing your kid up by just letting them tag along with your lifestyle right like it's going to be such a concern of yours and like i'm so concerned every day that we're screwing our kids up by like oh we're going to the beach in newport oh we're going to take the jet it's like oh my god am i screwing these kids up right so i love sports i love athletics because in situations like us where dude my kids are never gonna have to worry about where their next meal is coming from they're never gonna have to worry about are we gonna lose the house they're just not gonna have to worry about these things but if I can manufacture any type of adversity to put in front of them through sports, I think it's a good plan. And I think probably some of you had a good upbringing. There's no, you know, crazy stories of, you know, dad comes home and smacks you around. It just doesn't happen. So I think by your early involvement with sports at a very high competitive Mm -hmm. thing, probably developed that level of commitment that you were able to take into bodybuilding. Correct. hundred percent. All right. So, you, you start, you're doing well in the shows. Yeah. So you're fighting fires, but dude, like a, you're like a superhero. <laughs> you're, you're like all jacked up and you're like fighting fires. Okay. So, yeah. So for, I mean, from my first show, people uh, were like, were you doing it in a mask or just, just no cape? Just no, just no. Yeah, okay. Just, there it is. People see who you are. There just, all, a little speedo. That's yeah, all that's I have. <laughs> <laughs> you Google speedo. me, you'll see the speedo. Awesome. Um, anyways, no, we, 
it, everything kind of led into um, into the into my bodybuilding. Like I, I like you said, the sports, mm-hmm. the discipline. It, it's all kind of funneled into there. And and having from my first show, it was the, I had people come up to me like, "You have something," you know. And I always thought you had to be the top of the game to to get on stage. I always thought yeah. you had to be Mr. Olympia to compete. But obviously, there's a starting point, entry point in everything, every industry, every sport. You have a starting point. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it, it was. It was success because I, I did do well. I did win. And that just kind of steamrolled um, in the industry. At the time, there wasn't social media. It was very magazine driven. Very There was like internet forums and stuff like that. And, and, and I got a lot of notoriety at a young age from my success. You know, and people ask me today, how do I, how do I get, you know, sponsored or how do I do well, this? Let's, well, let's back at what age? Like 19, like 20? Yeah, 19, okay. 20. Yeah. All right. So, dude, you're yoked. You're 19. People yeah. are talking about you. How do you... Or, or was there a phase of complete asshole, Steve? I, you know, no, no, I, I, you never I, got there. No, I, I never was asshole, how? Steve. Okay, how? because some of the best advice, and I, I owe this a lot to my football coach, who I told you I worked for yeah. in, in high school, and um, I saw the way he treated his wife, and I and I had a lot of great examples that I, I'm more of an observer than I am like just do something off the off the whim. You know, I like mm-hmm. to watch people and 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 not overly talk and um, definitely like to absorb a lot more. So never had an asshole phase because some of the, one of the best advice I ever heard, and I carried this through my career because I've had been on, you know, flex magazine, the magazines all over the world, been on covers and big, you know, titles and, and all this. And the advice was the same, the same people you see coming up are the same people you see coming down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, the, you know, like the, when, when your friend from high school, they always say, don't forget about us, you know, yeah. and, and there's some truth to that because you know what, you may get to a point at some, at some time that you're not going to be riding that wave and, and being like the top of your game. And, you know, you know you're going to come down a little bit, you're going to have that success story, but you're not going to be like in the spotlight. Yeah. And it, in sports, especially, you see as soon as somebody stops competing or, or retires, people forget about them. They're like, you know, fuck them. Like, like who? <laughs> who is until it? it's a shame up, until they show up in bankruptcy court? <laughs> yeah, it, it's a shame that <laughs> it's, it's like, like that. But but you know, though, if those people treated a lot of those people bad along the way, if the if the if the athletes, if the if the you know popular person, however you want to say, it, influencer was an asshole along the way, like why is somebody that you treated like shit gonna? bring you in and be like, yeah, it's fine. Like you treated me like shit, but we could be friends now. Like if somebody did it to me, I'm not going to be cool with them. Is it, let me ask you this. Is, is there big dollars in professional bodybuilding? Doesn't no. seem like, I mean, it seems like you probably have to work way harder than a lot of the other <laughs> sports. I think the way you explained it to me from a business model standpoint, that whole industry has shifted now, right? I mean, it it has, it has changed because of social media a bit. And, and, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to have accolades now to get sponsorship by companies. You know, if you have a big following, you can get a, a sponsorship and they, they'll pay you, you know, six figures for doing stuff. But back in the day, you, you know, you were a guy that showed up in expos, you shook hands, you, you traveled, made appearances. And, and I did that to the last, uh, to a couple of years ago, probably pre COVID mm-hmm. was, I mean, every weekend I was making appearances, you go to expos, you, do you know, have to do that to keep yourself out there. Was that just that's a, like it's it? a, it's not necessarily a requirement, but it, it's it it's is. a requirement it in a way to, to keep you you know your fan base building and to keep you know when people get to meet you like man you're really nice. I'm like what'd you expect like a, just a, a a big muscly asshole like it's funny like people really think <laughs> yeah, that. that that's I mean I didn't think that I'm not saying I thought Tony told me you were an asshole. It's that's funny what he at said lunch it. today his wife says you know when I first met Steve I was like I don't want to date an asshole bodybuilder. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I also I also also believe if any woman you ever meets doesn't think you're an asshole when you first met them, you're not going to wind up with job, right? Yeah, they got to hate you. They got to hate you a little bit when you first start out. So it's got to work. Um, 
So now you've taken the IBS. So you took all the bodybuilding, you took the dedication, you took all yeah. of that stuff, yeah. and you've now kind of turned it into a a program. Mm -hmm. And it's not just about health and fitness. It's Correct. not that I, I love that when you were telling me about that last night, you're like, look, bro, this isn't just another, let me show you how to get a six pack. Or, yeah. Cause we all this know is another 90 day challenge. Yeah. We, 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 <laughs> look, I mean, I, my buddy, Brad Lee says that all the time. I, everybody knows how to get a six pack. It's <laughs> don't want to do the work to get it. Right. And, and that's just how it is. Um, but you've turned it into a, an event, a mastermind group that is about more than just fitness. So I, I want you to talk about that, man. It, so my, my vision with things and, and being in, in, a, in an industry where I've helped people in bodybuilding, it's crazy because it's a very selfish sport. But at the same time, when you'd meet people and people would come up to you and say, man, you saved my life or you inspired me to get back in the gym and I lost 100 pounds. Like you'd be like, man, that's really rewarding. And also being on the fire side, you save somebody's life and they thank you. You do something, you know, you may not even get thanked. It's a, it's a thankless job most yeah. of the time. And, but you know, you did something to help people. And, and to me, like that generosity is a core value of mine. And mm -hmm. I believe in that. And I, I'm very much a giver. I love to connect people and, and, but I don't respect, expect anything out of, of doing those things. Yeah. So to me, it was like, I want to create something bigger than me. Mm -hmm. And I want to be able to pour into people, bring value to people that are going to help them level up all areas of life. Because mm -hmm. like you said, somebody may be super rich and doing great in and business, miserable. but they're miserable at home. Their wife hates them, their kids hate them, or their health is deteriorating daily, those kind of things. And it's like, okay, how do we level up those areas? Mm -hmm. You know, and an example, I, I was, as I was telling this to a friend of mine, when I was kind of pitching him this idea in my vision with this, he's like, you know, I see it. He's like, it's a, it was actually Steve Weatherford. Who's actually speaking at my mm -hmm. event. Amazing, amazing human being. He's like, it's like, it's like a, a decathlon. He goes, you may, you may be great at one event, but you may suck at all the other ones and you're never going to win it. But you may get third or fourth place yeah. in all the events and you're going to dominate. And, you know, one of the things that I, I don't even know where I got this. I, I'm, I know I, I stole it because I didn't come up with it. <laughs> but one of the things that I do for my team is I have this exercise where I've got nine spokes on a piece of paper, right? Mm -hmm. And I say, okay, here's what I want you to do. You take this and, and, I, and off top, man, I don't know what they all, all nine of them are, but it's like faith, family, you know, relationships, yeah. you know, spiritual health, you know, all the, all these things. And you write a number between one to nine for each of them, nine being the highest and sure. one being like a suck. Right. And then I have a piece of paper that has all of them out on a thing. And then you draw a dot, however far it is away from that. And then you connect all the dots to make a wheel. And it's amazing. And, and you look at your, and everybody's wheels are flat. <laughs> you know, yeah. they have flat sides yeah. and it's like, it's a metaphor for life. Like your life won't roll properly if, if you're not balanced in all areas. Yeah. So I think what you're trying to do and bring balance to all of that stuff. Yeah. Correct. It, it's help. It truly, it's helping people create the best version of themselves. Yeah. Um, and leveling up those areas. I think we all need help. I think if you're will, like Tony just said, the best investment you can make is in yourself. Mm -hmm. If you're willing to pay the price to be in the room, to meet somebody aligned with people like, and I spoke on that a little bit last night, like the alignments in my life have led me to where I am right now. Yeah. It's not based on what I've thought about in my, my own vision and everything like that. It's been the alignments that I've established in my life that have led me to where I am right now. Yep. Yeah. I never say no when, when, you know, I tell my wife all the time and it, you know, one of the advantages of living here is there's always somebody coming into town to do something. There's always somebody. And, and it, we get a lot of calls like, like the one Tony's like, Hey, come to dinner. I, I just always say yes. Cause yeah. I just always assume there's going to be cool people there. Right. <laughs> and, it, and it never, and it never disappoints. That was a cool dinner. It never disappoints, <laughs> man. It never disappoints. Um, it, it never does. So if I'm somebody that, that, you know, is looking uh, to, to, you know, man, just maybe change my room a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, I, and, and I like this and, and I talk about masterminds a lot and I'm a member of several and I've drifted in and out of, of several of them. And, you know, 
it's good to change the room sometimes, man. It is. It is. So if I'm looking at somebody like maybe, maybe I'm not getting everything. Maybe I'm not feeling like I'm getting everything out of life. You got an event coming up. Yeah. Talk May, about the event, dude. May twenty May twenty sixth. It's called Upgraded Human Mastermind. And that's the that's the mastermind that I'm creating that I'm launching into my group training stuff that mm-hmm. is uh it's called Upgraded Human. So again, you know, we all need an upgrade. I mm-hmm. think if you if if you're if you're okay with where you're at in life, like you, you're just you're gonna decline and people are just gonna pass right by you. So to me it's like let's make a even if it's just a one degree shift into into something new or something better, those small nuggets each day that are gonna just build up over and over and over mm-hmm. and, and, and go just help you. So May 26th, uh, Tony's going to be one of our speakers. I, I've, I, I've established again, I'm a relationship guy and I have, uh, seven amazing speakers, including myself to be eight. My mm-hmm. wife speaking, um, Sean Whalen's a speaker. Jesse Lee's a speaker, Steve Weatherford. Jesse's Te- awesome. Jesse's amazing. Right. Um, I got anabolic. Doc- so I, I got a health, health aspect of things. I got a business aspect of things. I have faith relationship. Like we're going to hit on all these areas and I want people to walk away and be like, man, and that was the best three-year $800 I spent in in to, to be in a room with people and just really, like, walk away, like, like a, feel like a new person. Man, I got, I got to tell you, all those guys are great. Yeah. And, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go deep on Jesse Lee right now. If you don't know who she is, Google Boss Lee. Look her up, dude. Watching <laughs> her, who is such an incredible baller, yeah. deal with her very public battle with colon cancer right now is fucking amazing. Yeah. It, it's, it's amazing. To watch she's she is an amazing human being and no, uh, i i think we both are i mean i'm a huge huge fan of hers yeah um i think it's a testament to the level of event this is going to be yeah for this being i mean he this is also his seventh year that he's thrown the kukla classic which is a qualifier for the schwarzenegger which is the next day so all our event attendees get to come to that event as well so it's kind of a way to kind of mesh these cultures together if you will yeah, right i but, know how much you love oiled up guys but no man i mean i think it's really cool to you know you and i both uh, met in a mastermind yeah. we've been involved in several different ones and each one of them has its strength and weaknesses, right. but I think what we're doing a little bit different, if I could give you a little bit of credit on this one, yeah. like he hits me up yesterday. I mean, we've had a three day long kind of long session, started in Frisco, came out here, but he says, Hey, can I come to your room and talk? Like I'm tired, man. And he comes in with a notebook and he's sitting here and for two and a half hours, it turns into like deep conversations about, you know, let's just make this the most powerful event that anybody could come to. And I think the biggest differentiation this is going to be when you look at the caliber of speakers and you just nailed it. And that's why I'm elaborating on this mm-hmm. is Jesse Lee's vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Tommy Vax talking about coming from like, you know, brother murdered him to yeah. homeless to now triple platinum recording artist to being canceled by, you know, mainstream yeah. media. I can't get a recording contract, but he's got Trump on speed alley just because he and wanted dude, to sing a song. And, and bro, you know and bro, and bro, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I did some Tommy vexed Googling this morning on yeah. the, on, on the Google machine. I, did, I watched, I, did, I watched some, I want, dude, his shit is great. Isn't like, it I, awesome? Like, I've seen it's sad. No, you're listening to this. Like my wife walked in and she's like, what do you listen to? Is, what is that like? Is, what do you listen to? Like Godsmack? I'm like, no, it's this cat I was at dinner with last night that, you know, this is his only outlet for his art is to put it here because nobody will sign him because he said some political shit. He had the number one song on iTunes. Crazy. And right now, if you go to Spotify and you say, play me this song by Tommy Vex, it'll play you something else. Like he's so canceled at such a high level yeah. that it's really All because he said he supported Trump. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's then, crazy. 
you know, the vulnerability there, the vulnerability yeah. that he talks about, you know, my story isn't like, hey, man, I'm this Rolex driving McLaren dude. It's like, oh, man, I'm still trying to figure shit out. I paid a bigger tax mm -hmm. bill last year than most people make in a year, you know, yeah. but that's because of the fucking hole I put myself in. So the vulnerability, I think, that somebody can speak at from stage, whether for the first time I heard him in Cabo brought me to tears. You know, dude wins the, wins the Super Bowl, puts a gun in his head that night because his father didn't tell him, like, was like hey didn't even say good job you yeah. know what i'm saying so when you have an event that you can actually pour into people but leave them with an actionable manual yeah here's the things you're going to do finances here's you're going to do if you want to improve your faith with your family so i'm excited man may 26 yeah, may 25 is going to be a vip night if, at jerry jones's if private want, club if, if yeah. they want to find out more about the event how do they find that uh website upgraded human mastermind live upgraded human mastermind live yes. if they want to find you guys how do they find you guys Throw the gram out, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, it's the insider investor. That's on Instagram. Probably the easiest, the insider investor. And then if you guys want more info on our private mastermind, it's just insider investors. We just like, you know, try to provide value to people. I don't sell shit. We, we invest in things together. If you yeah. and I are going to buy this building together, let's get a good group of people together. Cut out the middleman. Cut out the bullshit. No carve out. And, <laughs> yeah, no, no finance acquisition fees, disposition fees, and all that <laughs> bullshit. Don't get me started. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, yeah. how do, and how do they find you? Well, I mean, uh, did you, if you're not blocking out the sun, how do they yeah. find you? Uh, same way, social media. Uh, I have, you know, I think that's an easy way to access. Yeah, people always. Now. Uh, go at Steve Kuklo, K U C L O. They can, uh, you know, follow, send me a message, anything like that. And then upgraded human uh, mastermind is is good again. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, gents, I appreciate the time so much today, man. It was a good cover. I wish we had more time. Unfortunately, I got to drive. John, one more thing. We're gonna yeah, come Jess, back. You do it. I, uh, I actually just I always forget about it because I'm so excited Shoot. about this shit. So I just got a deal on iHeartRadio. Uh, my boys who've been on CT 101 yeah. out in uh, Cali on Power 106 with Big Boy in the mornings and Ryan Seacrest. I mean, these guys are legends in the scene. Yeah. But they started a movement about 15 years ago talking about legalization of cannabis when cannabis was illegal everywhere. Mm -hmm. So they have the number one show on iHeartRadio for 13 years running, 164. They've now honored me to be on every Friday, Financial Fridays, talking awesome. about shit like this. I'd love to have you on there. Yeah, man. And Anytime. we can smoke a fake doobie for all the people <laughs> <Anytime>. in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta tell you. God bless you. You want to smoke it. Smoking dope makes me tired and hungry. I'm already tired and hungry. I don't need any help with that, right? I yeah. need no help with that. Anyway, well, gents, thanks so much for coming in. I Thank appreciate you. it. It was an awesome episode. If you like this, man, give us a like and subscribe. That's my pandering. Uh, give us a follow, hit the notifications, do all that stuff. Whatever, you know, four star, five star, whatever the highest star thing you can do, do that. That's fine. Anyway, we'll be back next week with another episode of The Power Move. Thanks, guys. Thank you, brother. That was fun. Hey, it's John Gafford. If you want to catch up more and see what we're doing, you can always go to thejohngafford.com where we'll share any links that we have, things we talked about on the show, as well as links to the YouTube where you can watch us live. And if you want to catch up with me on Instagram, you can always follow me at thejohngafford. I'm here. Give me a shout.